Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to Raw, the fight within a brand new podcast series hosted by me, Coogan Cassius. Over the course of the series, I'll be sitting down with some of the most high-profile figures from the world of boxing, including fighters, trainers and promoters, in order to dig a little deeper and understand their own personal stories. This podcast is about much more than simply what happens inside the ring. It's about the journey, the sacrifices, the agony, the ecstasy, the highs, the lows, the tears and the fears. It's about getting to know the person. Thank you for tuning in. And I really hope you enjoy it. If you do, be sure to like, comment and subscribe. This podcast is suitable for over 18s only, as it may contain adult content and explicit language. This week, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by a long-time friend. Yeah. Call you a friend now, can't I, Dave? I should hope you're my friend, since you came to my wedding. <laughs> I filmed your wedding. <laughs> Ten years ago. Yeah. Well, I didn't get a job after that, but I didn't really publicise it. It was something done for you and your... Uh, your wife, obviously. I'd love yeah. to watch that back as well because we were doing post-wedding interviews. Yeah. I was actually interviewing you and your wife going like, how'd you feel? Like I was doing a <laughs> boxing interview. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a good day though. At least the sun was shining and, uh, and was, you know, we're still going strong. So yeah, it was all worth it, man. It was all about the video. Um, Dave Corwell, yeah, absolutely ecstatic that you're on this. Um, well, I've been interviewing you for like since we started so 12 years etc and it's always about the same old thing but wanted to make this a little bit different so are you ready for this i think so a little bit nervous it's a little bit different for you but yeah i think so okay well ease you in nice and nice and gently um what were your first ever memories of boxing as a whole um my first one has to be probably uh, coming in from football training and seeing two guys on the TV, one was really flashed, rattling off this flurry while his back's against the ropes. And it turned out that it was Sugar Ray Lennon against Marvin Agler. And um, they must have been showing the rerun or some highlights on ITV or something like that. Because back in those days, I think it was, I think we had four channels, I think it was. I don't even think channel, in fact, I don't know if channel four was out then. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that was my first memory. And then getting up in the middle of the night to watch Mike Tyson. Wow. So do you have any concept of kind of how big these people like Sugar Ray and Mike Tyson no. were at the time? No, because I didn't realise who Sugar Ray Leonard was as such until fast forward a few years when I started boxing and then I was watching some boxing, some back then VHS, VHS tapes back then, and um, it was that fight. And I remembered it from... My first memory of that it was round nine. I could tell you what it was. It was the, it was when he's under pressure on the on the on the ropes in round nine, and um, so that's when I knew about Sugar Ray Leonard. And yeah, he's, he I just followed his career and as in research career and just watched all his videos and everything ever since. But yeah, what was the first fight you ever went to? Do you remember that? Do you know what? <laughs> Do you know what? Probably not. Um, I know I started boxing. Um, Eventually, you know, eventually walked through the doors of boxing two days after Nigel Ben versus Chris Eubank won. Mm. I remember watching that fight and it was just amazing, amazing. Came across on TV, unbelievable, great fight. And I was a, I was a big Nigel Ben fan, again, back in the ITV days. Um, and uh, yeah, I, that was the one that I was like, fine, right, I'm going. And two days after that, I went, I walked into the gym. I can't remember the first fight I watched. It, it live. It'll have been something to do with the Ingle Gym. In fact, in fact, actually, I think it was Naz's debut at Mansfield Leisure Centre. I think that was it against Ricky Beard. Um, yeah, I think that'll have been the one. Probably. It's mad, isn't it? Because you're watching that, and you wouldn't have even thought of kind of how big Naz would have been, kind of in his career. No, it was. It was um, again because. I'm not somebody that's grown, you know, like now somebody, you know, a star is born sort of thing. You kind of like 
can it can kind of like know right he's going to be the next star he's going to, and then you watch him develop and you're conscious about the development of these new stars and you know heir to the thrones back then i'm new to the game this is the first kind of like kid that i've seen develop and um yeah there's no concept he was just just this flash you know I, I, we trained with him i trained with him and everything but as far as we're concerned he's just naz from the gym but he, I remember his debut, he's just this flash skinny kid that looked like a punch really, really hard. <laughs> and then he was doing all these acrobatics and things like that. So, but you don't realise how big they're going to get and because you've not experienced that and you, you know, you've got no concept of that. Um, who was the first fighter you kind of took notice of, as in, for me it was Naz. I always say this, every week I say this with, he was the guy that got me into, into boxing. He's the reason why I started following boxing because, you know, it's in my teens, like, I literally only used to watch Naz, but for yourself, who was it that kind of, you pinpoint as, as the fight that kind of, you remember watching, like, and got you into the sport to a certain degree? Well, like I said, get, I'd get up in the middle of the night to watch Mike Tyson, but Nigel Benn, I was a massive fan of Nigel Benn's. He's, that's why I find it so surreal watching Conor Benn come through. Um, <laughs> it makes you feel old. Um, but yeah, Nigel Benn. Um, you can I can now remember the the old clips, you know, in the as the fights, the program started, the edits come on, the music come on. You got Ben on the speed speedball and things like that. Just Nigel Ben fights for me. He's he's all. I remember I was devastated when he got beat by Michael Watson. I watched that live on TV. Um, yeah, and I was devastated. I, I was proper because he was like an hero. Mm. Um, and then. You know, when he took himself off to America and everything and the, and the comeback sort of thing. But yeah, Nigel Benn was the one that I watched the most as a kid, definitely. Right, uh, a fancy question for you now. Yeah. It's quite interesting, this one, actually. So, Dave Corwell's Fight Club. Okay? So, just easiest way of me explaining this to you, right? Imagine a five-on-five tag team yeah. situation in the ring. Right? right? So you've got you and four other people. Don't know the opponents, forget the opponents, but who do you pick that goes alongside you in the ring? So ri ring rules. Basically backing me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Could be anyone. I haven't got to be boxers. Fabio Wardley picked Bruce Lee. Oh, oh, oh. Right. oh okay. Oh, that opens it up a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good pick, Fabio. Wicked, <laughs> good pick. He, he would do the no, job. Boxing on. rules, though. So right. boxing oh, rules. Right, this okay. is boxing rules, first yeah. of all. He okay. picks him for a later question. Right, okay. Um, okay. So, I would have to go with Mike Tyson. Because, number one, probably, if it's 5v5, Four of them have already shit it and got out with him just stood there across the ring looking at him. Um, so I'd go with Mike Tyson. Um, I would go with... Um, oh, that, this is a tough one, this, actually. Um, probably... Bit of a different one, this one. Yeah. But I think I'd go with Lennox Lewis. Okay. Because it's boxing rules. Yeah. Yeah, because he's got such an underrated jab and right hand, boom, and he's massive as well. So if you've got Tyson and you've got Lewis together, that's quite a good little combination. Roberto Duran, yeah. because he's just an animal, a beast, and let him off that leash and he'll just chew him up. Um Oh, that's a difficult one, that. One more would probably... That's my toughest one, to pin one more down. Um, Carl Froch. Good shot. Yeah, because he's just, he'd just being an animal. He's, he's kind of... Some, that's mainly because he's somebody that I would think... If you were in a dark alley and you were going to have it on cobbles, who would you want on your side? And I think Frot should be one. Okay, well, these were boxing rules. So yeah. the second part of this question was, or is going to be rather, um, 
a street team. Oh, okay. Street rules, right. no weapons, by the way. I've got to say, we're not promoting any kind of street violence. This is a, a fancy question. You but, I've got to say that. But on a street team, who yeah. goes on there? Okay. You, you can I, swap I, back I would, one round. I would, still, I would still have Tyson. Yeah. Because um, I said what I said, I've got a frotch, definitely. Um, then... Then I would have Bruce Lee. I, I'm, I'm with I'm with I'm with Fabio. I'd have Bruce Lee. Um, and can I just? I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but there's one obvious person there that, in a street fight especially, or in the ring, that you haven't picked. And I'm thinking, I'd put him in there definitely. Someone that you're very close with. Hell yeah. 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 But yeah. But. Rachel, his wife, had absolutely hammered me for ever pulling him back in. That should, should kill me. street fight. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd always have Bellew to back me, to, to back me up, definitely. So we've got Bellew, we've got Froch, Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson and Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Dave, do you know the funny one, right? Is uh, I did this with Darren Barker and he went, the fifth person he put, I think, I'm not sure if it was the street team or the, the, the ring team, he put Eddie Hearn in there, right? What? Yeah, right, listen, and I went, Eddie Hearn, he's like, yeah, I just want to see what he'd do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fine, fine. Yeah. Just for comedy value, I'd, sort of, yeah. I'd put him at the front of it as well, just to yeah. see what he would do. I went, that's actually a very good shout. It is. It'd, uh, it'd probably be hiding under his Bentley. <laughs> probably. Or driving the Bentley away. <laughs> if you weren't in the boxing business, yeah. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but if you wasn't, obviously you've grown up around boxing yeah. and it's been a part of your life, oh. all your life, what would you be doing? No, but what would you be doing as kind of your profession or so, the main thing in your life? So because I've done it, I did, I did five years coaching my little boys football team, so grassroots football, and I loved it. I enjoyed it. Um, and I love football. And I'm kind of like one of those where, like I study and analyse boxing because that's my job, because I got responsibility for these kids, I did, I'd find myself doing the same thing. So I'd be up studying football as well. And I still do from a little boy now. Um, and I love it. So, yeah, football. Do you, do you think you would have got into it as serious as you got into, into boxing? Because obviously you've promoted... You train people now. You manage fights. You've done everything. You fought yourself. Yeah. Would you? Do you think you would have got into that as like much to. as with everything? I'd like to, yeah. Definitely, because when I was a kid, it was all football for me. I didn't start boxing until I was fifteen, um, and I only started boxing because of, of how my childhood was. Otherwise, I would I would have stuck with football. Um, football was me was my first love, and and I was very passionate about it. So, if I couldn't have been a player, and especially with the opportunities that are these days I'd love to have gone into the coaching side and things like that but then again thinking about it there's far more opportunities now for young kids coming through in football like you know that can't make it as a footballer than what they were when when I was you know when, when I was coming through when I was a kid I mean you know you're talking a long long time ago um, so maybe there wouldn't have been those opportunities it's mad isn't it because <laughs> You've done literally, you've ticked every box kind of in boxing as, you know, from the kind yeah. of the fighter stage to uh, the promotional, to the trainer, the managing, etc. Everything, yeah. gym-wise, yeah. you've, you've kind of ticked all in boxes. You? There's not many people that have actually done that. Yeah, to, yeah, to think about it, I, yeah, I have, I've kind of done, done everything. Um, but it's been a blast. I've loved it. I've loved it. Yeah, I'll... I'll I love what I do. I'm very, very fortunate to have to have done it. Do you remember the first ever outside of the ring? Do you remember the first ever fight or altercation you ever got into, or one that kind of stands out? Yeah, because I <laughs> I was a classic school wimp, so they're not no good memories. You ask me to talk about it. Yeah, I just get bashed. That was it. Um, but I remember um, one of the kids that used to bully me um, we was in the, the local park. There were loads of kids around and he was just bashing me up, bashing me up. And I remember he 
got there's loads of kids around as there are, and um, it's, it's got me laid on 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 the on the floor on my face, and he's, he's on the back of me, and then he gets up and he jumps up and lands on his knees in my back. Mate, I've I've remember that stands out so much. That I think that was the first first time like it was yeah it was where it was a a bad sort of beating. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, I didn't. I weren't really somebody that that liked to fight. Junior school, I was all right. I was I was I was, I was all right. Um, but then I remember I went to comp, and there's fifteen hundred kids there, and it's a massive. I'm looking around at all these kids. I'm thinking. One of those, keep your head down, because there's going to be somebody here that can kick the shit out of you. And um, but I did it to a point where I just went in within myself, and yeah, I was kind of like I brought it on myself a little bit, I suppose. That situation you were talking about, mm. when that ended, immediately after, what was? Do you remember the the emotions you were going through? Um, I, I, it's difficult to remember that because. It happens so often going forward, so it's more. It's like it's like embarrassment. It's like what it is now, really. If you know, if a fighter loses a fight, they have this part which they shouldn't do, but they have this part of embarrassment about yourselves. Um, so you, your pride gets hurt, um, and then you're thinking about what's you know what comes next. Um, very similar to to a fighter, you know. If, if it goes wrong, you know how how people perceive you to be. Um, their opinions of you, what then comes next? It's kind of like that, you know. Are you then going to get battered again the next day? And uh, you know, and then when you see them next, you know, are you going to be scared or you know, are they going to start again? It's it's that sort of thing. What happened when you saw them again next? Yeah, probably got smashed again. Um, yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> um, yeah, I had I had an horrible horrible time at school in comp. I had an horrible time in comp. Um, but I don't listen. I don't regret it. Everything that I went through as a kid, um, and and being the seriously your proper classic school wimp, because me um, me me dad didn't have a job. I was like in hand me down and and like not the kind of clothes that you're gonna wear. They used to talk about how your cats died because my trousers were too short. Um, so yeah, I. I didn't have, and plus I was tiny, believe it or not. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and back then, there was only three of us that weren't white in the in the school. So um, I didn't tick the good boxes, as so to speak. What, what people perceive to be the good boxes, yeah. shall we say? Yeah, at school, back then, yeah. It was completely different to what it is now. Um, it was just the, yeah, I didn't tick the popular boxes. It's weird because I, I see people that used to bully me at school when I was like whatever and, and now they're like yeah. when I see them they're, and I'm out and whatever and they're like oh yeah you're, you're doing that you know is this fight going to happen and I'm like all I can think about is like you yeah. fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I know it's like 20 years ago but it's like and I know it's like a kids thing isn't it as well and it's like I think it's important also that that's installed into your children as well yeah. about that bullying aspect because I think every child it's not in them, but it, it could be in them. Yeah. So it's important to kind of get that element out of them as quick as possible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's influences and it's how, how you teach your kids morals and, and you know, what's right and wrong, really. But ultimately, a, a lot of people that do a lot of bad things know what's right and wrong, but they still make the choice. But it's about you know, trying to encourage them to make the right choices more than, more than anything. But... Um, yeah, it was, uh, and back then again, you've got to remember, it's different. It was different. I'm walking down the street, and there's this one family of brothers um, older than me, and every time I had to walk past them to either go to the paper shop where, where I had paper rounds or to go to the park. And if I've got my dog or if I'm without and I just want to go and kick a ball about, I have to pass their yard. I would shit myself every time I walk, walk past their yard because of, Either they're going to do something or they're going to shout, and they just start shouting, Packy, go on, this, 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 you black bastard, this, this, this. And I'm like, I am old, mate. You know, my, my dad's English, my mum's Indian, but my dad's English, so I'm, I'm here, that's, that's me, you know, I'm, I'm very proud to be here. And that was my, um, my one little 
power card, no matter what, you know, because it was the big thing back then, which is, I mean, you're talking, what, 80s. Um, I was born in 75, so yeah, you're talking 80s. Um, that was a big thing. Pack your go up, get back to where you come from. You know, that, that kind of thing. Because there wasn't as many people that were my colour, my, my, my um, background over here. Oh, aggravates me just you, you even mention that to be honest with you because at some point I think listen we're well according to everyone we're probably the same <laughs> do you know yeah, what I mean yeah, but that, yeah, yeah. that's the ignorance <laughs> as well isn't it it's yeah. like we're not yeah. and we've got different backgrounds and yeah. different uh, ethnicity etc yeah. but I think in those ignorant eyes that yeah. someone like myself and you yeah. you're the same isn't you? almost difference yeah that's it yeah that's, that's true it is it is but uh, yeah, again, it's how it's how um, you can't control what what other people are going to do or how other people are going to see you, because you can be the most successful, brightest, polite, nicest person in the world, but there'll still be people that don't like you, and there'll still be people that say this, this, this about you, and it's just how life is. But where is what? And again, it comes from experience and development of your own mind and your own person and personality. Is whereas when I was younger, that meant a lot to me and that would hurt me. Um, as you get older, you realise what's what's important and what you know. And, and also, if you can't control something, why worry about it? Do you remember a time that you felt that you were losing, um, or sorry, fighting a losing battle? Let me reword that. In terms of whatever, just in your life, yeah. have you ever been in a situation yeah. where you felt like you were fighting a losing battle? Yeah, like as a ch in, in my childhood, um, I didn't think that I, I was at points where I thought, it, "What's the point? Is this my life? I'm a young kid, and is this my life?" Um, is this what I've got to look forward to? Um, yeah, I had, I had, I had so many times like that, so many times like that. Um, I left home at fifteen, um, but just prior to that, yeah, I, I didn't think that I were gonna, I didn't think I were gonna be around to be a to be an adult, um, and and a strong part of me didn't see the point because if that's my life and that's what I've got to look forward to then like what's the point it's sad that we look at you now and kind of see what you've accomplished and then but there was a point in your life where in your head that your last kind of 15 20 years almost is so far away yeah. from any kind of reality at that age and that's and I think about that a lot and that's why um, I genuinely, genuinely appreciate my life. And I'm genuinely happy. And whatever, whatever, whatever happens going forward, as, as, long as, as long as my family, as long as my kids are happy and healthy, I don't, I don't care. I'm, I've, I've cut the game. I've cracked it. You know, some people, some people chase um, success, chase money, and then they get it, and then they're, they're chasing it more, they're chasing it more. I'm not chasing anything apart from, <laughs> it sounds silly, the only thing that I'm chasing is um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be as healthy for as long as I can. So I'm around as long as I can for to watch my kids develop and watch how watch. I'm intrigued and I'm excited to see what my kids do with their lives, because um, I've I've strived to make sure that they have a much better, not leg up, but a much better, a much clearer path than what I did. So then they can and can at least achieve or try to achieve. Like what they, what they dream about, what they want to do, um, a lot easier without the obstacles that I had. Um, so I'm kind of excited to see how what path they choose, 
themselves and, and how far along that path they get. And if they're successful and if they're happy with it, I want to be around. So the only thing I'm chasing really is the reason why I'm, I'm you know, I, I, I look after myself like I do and I live like I do and I don't, you know, don't drink and I don't smoke and I don't do that sort of stuff. It's because I'm at an age now, I'm, I'm 47. And um, like when, when, you, you, when you're in your 40s and when you get towards 50s, and you start losing a lot of people and you start, I mean, when I was younger, you know, years now, um, I lost a, a very good friend of mine and he was only 41. And I've always had that in my head. I've always thought that. Um, so when you get into your 40s, when you've, when you've lost friends at that age and stuff and you think, whoa, okay, so you're very, very aware about your mortality and you can either just like accept it or it is what it is or way I do it is that I I just I want to be as as healthy and as long as, as and I'm willing to put in the work in to be as healthy and as, and and live as, as as good a life as I can do for as long. Don't get me wrong. I don't. I'm not interested in being. I'm not one of these. Oh, I want to live to 100 and all that sort of stuff. I don't want to. For as long as I live, I want to be healthy doing it. So if I'm 70, 80, I don't want to be just sat in a chair not being able to be mobile, not be able to do stuff. I want to be like me now. And I know people say, oh, you can't be. But I see people at 78 eh, that are fitter than me now and they're moving about and they're doing runs and they're doing this and all that. I think, well, okay, if you can do it, that's what I want to be. Because I want to be as, because right now my son's in sport and he's very, very active and he's sporty and I want to match him and I want to keep him on his toes for as long as I can. So, you know, then you think, well, one day they might have grandkids and then you want to be like that with your grandkids. So uh, that's, how, that's how my mind works. What, what causes do you think are worth fighting for? Like, everyone has something, always think they have something. Some are more vocal than others. You know, some people talk about kind of mental health or, you know, whichever is. What, what does Dave Corwell kind of believe in and what do you think Happiness. is worth fighting for? Happiness. I don't think there's enough people that are happy. I agree. I, I, and this is why I'm saying where people, a lot of people chase success and then they view success as materialistic. Don't get me wrong, I'm happy with what I've got and I'm fortunate to have got what I've got, but I've worked hard for it. But it's not the be all and end all. I'm happy because my kids are happy, my family's happy. My missus tells me she's happy. <laughs> We don't know. We never know. We never we know. Never know. Sorry, I don't regret that comment. <laughs> we never know if you're happy or not. Yeah. But because um, I, I look and I see, obviously, social media, but you see people walking about. You don't have to have social media. You don't have to watch your TV. Just watch people's body language as they're walking about. I passed, I was, I was with Ope earlier on, and, and I said to him, I said, See, if, if I'm walking down the corridor with you, if I just catch your eye, I'm just going to say, hi, hi, mate, right, all right. And I've, had, I've passed three people today, and just completely blank there, just kind of like looked miserable, sad, head down. And that's, I just think that, again, if you watch people, you look at people's faces, look at people's demeanours, like a lot of people are suffering whether it's outwardly or inwardly, with life, with problems, with health, with stressing about money, stressing about cost of living and stuff like that. Food. And it's always, there's so much, so much negativity that's on your news, so much, it's, it's like a constant barrage of putting fear in people or making people aware of unhappiness. Good news doesn't make TV. Happiness, happy good stories don't make TV. They might make it on your TikTok or your social apps. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I like the stuff on TikTok where it's uplifting and it's like you see nice, like cool videos, funny videos, people having fun, people, good times. Because there's not enough of that being put out there into the public, so everybody's got this constant negativity. And when I said to you, is, is I think. I think happiness is the most powerful thing in the world because that's your mood. That takes you out of your depression. That takes you out of your sadness, your loneliness, you know. Um, money comes and goes. But, you know, happiness is 
big thing and, and there's too many people that, that aren't happy enough which is why we have so much depression now which is why we have so much suicide now um, and it can be people that you would never ever guess you would never guess I've, I've had people that I'm friends with people that I know and, and when they've taken their own lives you're like what? you would never ever guess and I think that's scary because you just don't know and when people are, are just you know being rude to people or being heartless and nasty to people you just don't actually know what's going on in that person you, how do you not know that you're not going to tip, tip them over that edge how do you not know that because you might well be they might be teetering thinking of what I've got and that one thing can can change the mind or just push them in a direction, and which is why, I, it's, it's, again, like I said, it's, it's only, it doesn't take any effort, but if, if, if I'm, like I said, if I make eye contact with someone, I'm going to say hello, just because, you know, some, somebody might not feel as though they, they notice, right? might not feel as though the, that they matter, and somebody says hello to them, and it just lifts the mood, and it just either delays or stops them from doing something. If you if you delay if you delay if you delay somebody from making a life ending decision it gives an opportunity for the mindset to change it, it, it doesn't mean you've stopped if, if you've delayed it and it gives an opportunity then for something else good to happen something else to lift the spirits and so yeah I'm a big believer in happiness I'm a big believer in happiness over everything and, and that that for me, I find it sad that that life's just everywhere you look, it's consumed with people being unhappy, and that all falls under the same umbrella. Whether it's health-wise, whether it's finances, whether it's just relationship stress, people stressing about the kids not getting, you know, kids not having great parents. That's another one. Kids pisses me off when when you've got parents that don't back the kids. I had it. I edit, so I, I can speak about it and I know how that feels. And that's why I will always back my kids as much as I, watch, I will do and as, as much as I can do, because I add it. I don't believe it's right that, that your kid has a dream or tells you that they want to do something and you tell them that it's never going to happen. You tell them that they're useless. You tell them that like, they're not going to achieve anything in their lives. You need to be realistic. All that bullshit. I don't think that's right. I can speak about it because I had it. But that's why I'm the complete other way with my kids. And my son wants to be a footballer. He doesn't just want to be a footballer, he wants to be the best player in the world. And everyone's like, oh, ain't that sweet, pats him on the head. Somebody told Ronaldo, so Ronaldo told somebody, or Messi told somebody, or Maradona told somebody when they were a kid that they're going to be the best player in the world. Just like our friends, our fighters, when they were amateurs and they started, and they were kids, army world champion. I want to beat that man. I want to be the best in the world. But they're working for it. Anybody that's working for it and has got, got the mentality and got the discipline can achieve it because there's somebody that is the best in the world. So I will never tell a kid. If a kid tells me that... A young kid tells me that he believes he's going to be the best player in the world or if he's going to be a world champion or whatever, how do you not know? Because somebody around their age, somebody, is going to grow up to be that man. Or woman, you know. But parents that 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 my 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 mum did. My mum trounced on any dreams that I had, on any dreams I had, constantly telling me that I'm never going to do anything. Still don't think I've done anything yet. For honestly, still disappointed because I weren't a doctor. So you're stereotypical. But you can't have, you can't have an idea for what your kid's going to be and because they don't want to be that resent them for it and want to destroy their ideas of what they want to do with their life you're meant to support them and that's where I, I think again there's not enough parents that, that don't get me wrong there are a lot of good parents but there is, there's not enough parents that will back the kids dreams in terms of I'm not talking about money, 
money's not we ain't got money you know money money now is becoming such a such a stressful thing lack of it for people but i'm talking about talking to your kids spending time with your kids making them believe that they can achieve whatever they want to achieve because that's the most powerful thing and it's free it takes your time and it takes your words it takes your compassion it's uh interesting what you're talking about because <laughs> i think um a lot of parents like i said they've probably got an idea in their head of like as you you kind of see the personality of your, your children develop etc uh but um as they get older you kind of think oh i'd like them to do this you know i'd like them to do that etc but it's not always reality because like my parents would have i did a level law right they would love it if i'd kind of completed that yeah. that time at um at a level which i did but then went on to become a lawyer. That would have been their yeah. thing. So for me to turn around and basically, in their brain, I'm going to, right, I don't want to do law. I want to be a dancer because yeah. I did performing arts. But in yeah. their head, they're just thinking, what, well, he wants to dance, yeah. right? <laughs> I wanted to act. But in their head, they're yeah. thinking to themselves, you know, he wants yeah. to dance. So I give my credit uh, or give the credit to my parents from like 20 something years ago for actually going, all right, yeah. if that's what you want to do, yeah do it and no problem and obviously that's led to my path now yeah. so it's not gone the exact way because I, I tried that and then realised there's no fucking money in it but, <laughs> but yeah but do you love what you do now? now I do yeah but that's yeah. led from that yeah. from them letting not letting me but just yeah. giving me their blessing yeah. to kind of go on I tried the acting but, thing but so years. This, is, this is my feeling is let's say your parents weren't like that mm. and they were oh, strict yeah. put the foot down I was like no and did yeah. everything to stop you from yeah. going down that path of where yeah. you can I'm not saying it with you now. But yeah, 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 but not only that, let's just say you became the lawyer or you did something like that, what, what they would more approve of, and you're going to work every single day. Because how many people do you hear go to work every single day and fucking hate the job? You, you followed, your, it had a couple of diversions. Like me, I didn't, I didn't have any intention of being a boxing coach. Yeah. But the choices that I made, the dreams that I had in my head and the things that I chased myself led to me doing what I'm doing and I can't imagine myself being any happier than if I'd have done anything else, mm. you know? I, you just, I mean, oh, when I was a kid I wanted to be a footballer, but what's saying that if I'd have been a footballer, I can't imagine being happier than what I am now. So, it, I, again, for me, it leads to happiness. And the thing is, is you in your mind will determine whether you're happy or not, not somebody else. It's very true. Um, what are the everyday battles in Dave Corwell's life from a mental perspective? What's the everyday battle situation for you? Um, not being good enough. I uh, I put a lot. I think I put a lot of pressure on myself um, because I uh, I'll never be satisfied with what I do. I, I will. I don't know how to. I don't know how to enjoy the moment. Bellew wins a world title. I'm thinking about his next events while we're celebrating his world title win. I can't. I can't enjoy the moment of, of what what we're achieving, what I'm doing now. You know, a fighter, one of my young fighters goes out and boxes brilliant. Everyone's, you know, I'm thinking about when he steps up, does he get beat by him? But him. As a parent, I know my kids, <coughs> my kids are, you know, they're, they're, they've got a good life and, and they're, they're happy, thank God. But I can't, I can't sit on that because I think they could be happier. They could. I just. I don't know. I just. I, I don't know. I, just being good enough in every way, really. I think. I just don't know. I. I can't. I don't understand how to. Um, switch off. Relax. Um, and sometimes, that is because I'm. Sometimes you make yourself a little bit too busy than what you need to be. Um, but that's just me. That's. You know, yeah. Tell me about a time that you remember that you were having to fight back tears. 
happens quite a bit. Um, what sticks out over your life? Um, just, just childhood. Just um, if I, I hear um, something on the news or I hear a story or I see something where I see um, just. Um, just shit happening with kids um, uh, parents not being parents um, things like that deprived deprived kids uh, things like that because you strike me as someone who is like an emotional person um, not strike me I know you're an emotional person <laughs> I don't know why I said that uh, but you do yeah you come across to me over the years as someone who is kind of heart on your sleeve almost yeah. um emotional but yeah is it and it's always like a, a stigma or a stereotype attached to kind of being emotional and kind of even the aspect of crying or whatever being kind of weak uh, especially like for a man it's like there's there's that attached to it but yeah. i think like because of what's been going on, as in not been going on, it's been going on for years, but I'm saying because mental health is so publicised now, I think yeah. it's encouraging people that to get away from that, that stigma of like not being emotional, not showing your kind of, that kind of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I um, It's not that I want to be, it's certain thing because... There's certain things that trigger me where where it's almost as though I'm back to being that kid, and I'm I've run so so hard and so fast to get away from being that kid. It's like um, it's like I'm terrified of I, I I got a back injury about four weeks ago, and um, uh, so I've ruptured a disc in my back. Um, and when they tell me about it and they're saying, oh, text, tell me the recovery time and things like that, the first thing that comes in my head is that it's going to stop me from being me where I can be active and training and staying in shape for to be able to do what I'm doing with my, you know, with my kids and play football with my son and things, you know, and, and as well as doing my job. And... Because I've got this thing, <laughs> because I was such a wimp at school, and because I, just my whole appearance at school was kind of the the laughing joke as well. It's like you can't, I can't get away from that. So I need to, I I try and um, I don't want to revert back to that where I'm kind of like um, I don't know what the word is, but. But vulnerable, that's it, vulnerable. I, everything I do for myself, I'm like, no, I'll do it. I'll get it done. I'll do it. And that's kind of how I am. And then if you get an injury and you can't do this, you can't do that, and then, oh, and then I see people at my age where they get an injury and they slam on loads of weight and then they're unhappy because they're not what, how they were. So I, I, when that happened, I was like, I had 10 minutes where I had a wobble and I thought, shit, that's going to happen to me. I'm, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do that. But then I've got, I have got a very strong mind where literally 10 minutes later I flick a switch and I'm like, what happened to me? I'll be back training lads in a week and I'll be back doing this. And I were, and I am. And that's, I've got, it's weird because I've got a very, very strong mindset and when I set my mind on doing something, that's how I'll keep my mind conditioned. That's it. And whether I achieve it or not, that is it. And I won't stop. I won't stop. And, but little things will trigger me that take me back and make me feel like a were when I was a kid. And I think the emotion side, um, I think too many people try and try to bottle it up. I can't bottle it up, it just, it just, it's just how I am. But a lot of people will bottle things up and all that's doing is frying your brain. And all that's doing... I explained, I explained to my son... Um, because um, he came back and he was talking about, he's so forward for his years, he's only just 11, um, and he was talking about um, mental health. 
we're talking about why you know why people why because there was a bit where like there always people being spoke about on news like you know like celebrities and stuff like that where they've committed suicide and things like that and he was they must have been talking about it at school and he came and he asked he, he asked me he says what is mental health and what is you know and I explained to him about how to look at how to look after your brain I got a glass a glass of water and um, I said this is your this is your brain I said this water is your thoughts I said your emotions I said your problems right I said so every every bit of water I put in I said that's a problem Pour it into your head, pour it into glass. So that's your brain. It's got some problems in its mind, and you keep it there. It's still there. That's it. You don't let it out. You don't empty the glass out. You keep that glass of water there. That little bit of glass of water. So you get some more water. Pour it some more. So that's some more problems. So it's still there. Get some more water. And I did it. Did it in stages. Every time I poured a bit of water into this empty glass, was empty glass. That's problems filling your head up. I said, you see how much space here? I said, the space that's left, that's your good thoughts. And that's the stuff that makes you happy. I said, but this water is your problems. And you see how it gets to halfway. When it gets to halfway, I said, it's now 50-50. Once there's some more water in, now you've got more problems in your mind and more things you're stressing over than what you have that make you happy and make you think nice thoughts. Then I filled it right to the top. So now your brain is full of problems. It's full of problems. It went right, yeah. I said, there's no, there's no good thoughts. There's nothing there. He's like, yeah. Then I poured some more water in. I said, what's happening? He says, your brain's too full. And that's how I explained to him about mental health and about how it's important to, um, to get your problems out. And you've got to speak. Because if you don't empty that glass out, just keep pouring water in there, it's going to overflow. And that's like your brain with problems. You can handle shit. We are built to handle shit. A lot more than what you think. And you're able to build and handle and handle and handle it. But it gets to a point, no matter how big the glass is, no matter if it's a jug, a big bottle of water, or if it's a little cup, no matter how much, how strong your mind is, how strong a person you are, there's only so much space in that brain. And if the bad shit takes over from the good shit, your head just blows. And that's when people feel as though there's no way out. There's no room. So that's it. It's just full. That's what I said to him about the glass. It's just full. It's just full of problems. And you don't see no room. There's no room for any good thoughts. And he got it. And he understood it. So he understood about how it's important to, if he's got anything that, that, that listen, he's a kid. But he's going into a bigger school. He's doing it. He plays football. He's got, he, he, he doesn't have particularly many friends at his own age. All his friends are older because he gets on their wavelength. But little things that, that are little problems speak about, they don't become big things. They don't fill your head up. So I find it so important that people are aware that it's 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 not just good it's not just good to let your emotions out, but it's important. It's important, especially nowadays. It's different. We have a lot more things that we're aware of. So I I understand that like some older generations will say, yeah, but all, all you young kids are soft and you don't... And, and there is an element of that on, in the way that they've been brought up to be protected from, from competition, protected from winning and losing because you don't want to, have, you know, to, to suffer losing. But then you get into real life, what's a job interview? If you don't get that job, you've been rejected. It's the same, same sort of thing. And, but... In the old days, I, even in my time, there was no social media. You wasn't aware, it, it, unless it came on the 6 o'clock or 10 o'clock news, right? Or on the radio. Or on the radio. Yeah. You wasn't aware of shit was going off in China or Russia or, well, wherever, right? You weren't aware of what's going off in London unless it came on the news. Now you're aware of everything, and the 90% of things that are on social media is negative, negative, negative. Fear, fear, fear. Bad times, bad times, and it's filling people's heads, and it's and and certain things where where trigger people. There's so much things where where it's filling people's head with that much negativity. They are more aware of it, so they absorb more problems, 
even if it's not if it's nothing you can control you're absorbing more problems so therefore your capacity to handle problems becomes much harder work and so a lot more people can't cope with problems dave did everything you've achieved and this isn't really specific to even boxing but just everything you've achieved in your life do you feel like everything's had to come with a fight do you yeah. feel like you've had to fight anything as in like nothing's been like gifted to you which we know it hasn't you've had to kind of work for everything you've done but do you feel like every proud achievement you've done like i said from even your kids to your family your, everything in your life has come with some sort of fight yeah but i think that's i think everybody has the same thing I think everybody has the same. That's just life. If if you want to do, um, if you want to do things that aren't normal, what we do isn't normal. It's not just a normal job that majority of population does. It's different, it, but it's also in the limelight. It's also it's also being judged every step of the way and everything. So it's gonna be it's it's gonna be where you feel as though you're fighting all the time. Um, because you're always you're always in a position where people will judge you, um, and people say that you're no good. People say it's it's, it's a failure. Um, there's competition to get to where you want to be. It's kind of like everyday life. It's just a bit more in the spotlight. Um, the there's nothing that I would say that I'm I'm any good at. I, w- I wouldn't say I wouldn't ever say that I'm successful as as a, uh, in the jobs that I do. Um, the only thing that I would say that I'm, I'm good at is being a dad. That's the only thing that I know that I'm good at. It's the only thing that I, I, I will actually rate myself at. Um, but to me, that's the most important, the most important job I've got. So, um, and that's my perception of myself. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Where does your fight spirit come from? Where does that kind of uh, whether yeah being a kid? Yeah. It, 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 I got what I got through as a kid prepared me for all this, prepared me for everything else as, a, as an adult. I'd, you go to school and you're ridiculed. You go to school and you're embarrassed. You embarrass yourself. That's the worst thing in the world is being embarrassed yourself. There's no, you know, people look at you and you, you automatically assume the worst because you embarrass yourself. You don't, you know. But then to go home and then I, I had a mother that my mum, I mean, some people know about it. I've spoke about it before. Um, I had a mum that, that in this day and age, I wouldn't have been allowed to be my parent. Um, so to get it from both, both sides and my life started when I, when I, when I left home when I left home at 15. Um, so all that prepared me. And then from 15, having to be switched on and and, um, and go about my business, that, that made me grow up really quick. And that's, I suppose that's why I'm, I'm, I've always been a little bit older in Ed than what, than what I was, even though now that, I can't say that because now I'm younger in Ed than what I am. What is your relationship like with your mother? You've made a couple of references. There is none. There is none. Um, yeah. Um, she, uh, as I've got older, I've understood that, um, again, other people's opinions of you don't matter. Um, if somebody's going to make you feel like shit, don't have them around you. And if you've got a good thing with your family, then that is all that matters. It's like you've, you've got to... Um, Anyone that wants to try and unsettle that, you don't, you don't let them, you don't let them get anywhere near it. Um, so yeah, so I don't, I don't really have anything to do with them at all. Does that relationship, which you said is non-existent, does that have an effect in a positive way on how you are with your own children? Hundred percent. That's why I wouldn't change anything. I and I genuinely mean this. I wouldn't change anything about my life. It, of course, if I when I think about it, my mind goes. I, I can't think about something about it without me. Memories are very very powerful, so it's almost like you have that same emotional feeling when I'm thinking about something. It takes me back. That's why I get upset because I remember the kid that I was. I remember what I went through, and so that's why I get upset when I think about my childhood. But 
the only when I've when I've tried as an adult tried to to because everybody wants do you know it's weird no matter how shit your parent might be or your parents or whatever um, you no matter how old you get you still kind of want you want them to tell you that you love you that they love you or that they're proud of you and that never leaves you and it doesn't matter it's weird because ultimately it shouldn't give a sh- I shouldn't give a shit what what she thinks and, and anything I, I shouldn't um, but you do um, but yeah it's um, you've got you've, you've got to do what makes you happy um, and whenever whenever I have that part of my life brought to me then it causes me like stress and it causes me to be uncomfortable unhappy um, so it's far better that I take control of that situation. Do you feel like you have demons to fight? Will you fight demons every day? Do you have that in you? No, no. I've got a great life. And and like I said, I won't change anything as a, as a kid because I learned how to be a dad or a parent from what not to. Such a valuable lesson. You don't. It's not all about having great role models and things like that. You can flip it around and think, okay, well, that felt like shit as a kid, so I don't want to make my kid feel like shit. So, um, I won't. I won't change a thing. I won't change a thing because it's made me who I am. Um, and the I'm very. Co- it took me a lot, a lot of years. Um, it took me my wife and my kids, but I'm comfortable in my own skin. And so, do does shit happen? Yeah, but you can't. You can't have everything going great. That's not life. But because I'm comfortable in my own skin and because I'm happy and because I've got touch wood, thank God, two healthy kids and a, and a happy and healthy family, I've got nothing to complain about. You, you fight for your family, your kids and mm. like your friends and you know, you're kind of in your life considered that kind of fighter from a not even from a ring perspective but just as a person but who fights for you who who backs you who's in your corner outside the ring my missus that's it my wife um obviously my kids do you know what my daughter she's she's got to an age now it's weird she started driving and um the weirdest thing was the first day when she's driving on the opposite right and she's passing me and you know when they wave at you like that it's like, that's my daughter. It's like, where's that? Where's that come from? And when I get a text off of her when I'm going somewhere or whatever, drive safe. Let me know you got there, all right? I'm like, it's mad. <laughs> it's weird. It's like because that's what you spend all your time doing with them, and then all of a sudden they get to an age where where they're they're making sure you're all right. And yeah, so my family, but but my wife, hundred percent, and my daughter, and. You know, Theo's a little bit too young to look after me. <laughs> that time will come soon, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, last one. Can I ask, answer this exactly however you interpret it? Um, what drives the fight within you? What drives that that everyday fight that you have in you? What do you think's that factor that drives it? I just, I want to outdo myself. I just want to be better. I, I'm never. I'm, I said earlier on, I'm never satisfied with what I do. Never satisfied with what I do. Um, it'll never be good enough. Um, and it's that's tough for people that I work with as well, like my fighters and things like that. And it's tough, you know. It's tough for my kids. It's you know. It's just. I'm sorry, I was going to ask you that because you're talking about yourself about that fear of not being good enough, etc. Yeah. But do you not fear that that's how your kids are going to perceive life? that if they take it from their dad, that nothing's ever good enough. That's not necessarily the best thing for them. My kids haven't got a fear of failing. I had a fear of failing. And that's why I failed as a fighter. I, was ter- I wasn't terrified of my opponent. I was terrified of losing. I was terrified of not being good enough because I was told, always told that I'm not good enough. I was told at home I'm not good enough. I was told by friends at school, what you were boxing for, you'll never do it. You're not... I got told by my teacher, you need to get another job because you'll never do anything out of boxing. Hi. Um, I had that all through my life. 
But my kids, and especially my son, because it's, it's football, and um, he hasn't got one bit of fear and missing, making a mistake, getting tackled, past being wrong. Because I've always brought him up to be where don't fear failure. You understand why you failed. You acknowledge it, don't ignore it. Just, all right, why did that go wrong? Right, because this, this, this. What can I do better to correct it? Right, and then just go again. And if it goes wrong, go again, go again, go again. And that's his attitude. So he hasn't got no fear of failure. Um, but he also knows that in order to to achieve his dreams, he's got to work harder than anybody else. It's not about how how good you are today. It's And it's where I say it is is... That's where I want to be, but that's a million steps to get there. And each step you take forward, you're getting closer. And that's, the, you know, that's how, how he sees it. That's how my kids see it. And so now, they, and, and I've always said to him, I've said to my daughter, I've said to my, to my son, it doesn't matter what you do. If you just, I don't love you because of what you do. I will still love you. I will always love you, no matter what you choose to do. So there's no pressure to, to, to be like that. Do you know what, this actually explains uh, the one semi-altercation that me and you have had over 12 years. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Do you remember? Do you not remember? We've, we've literally had one. Like, it was a flash, a flash knockdown, shall we say, right? Good 10 years ago, by the way. Do you not remember? Okay, so this is another thing. Is You know when, you know, I'm one of these that I can fall out with you and... It's done. Next time I see it, I make that. So I don't remember right. shit. Where okay. so I'll, I'll explain because what you just said there made a lot of sense. We was in Sheffield, right, a good nine, ten years ago. Uh-huh. And we was in a taxi. It should start to trigger back to you, right? We was in a taxi. Me, you, I think Eddie Hearn was in a taxi. A couple of other people. There's about five of us in a taxi. Uh-huh. And you were talking about when you used to fight. And I knew you used to fight, but I didn't really know your kind of who you'd fought and your record. And I pulled your record up in the cab. Right. And I went, fucking hell, Dave, is that you? Fucking hell. Like, as in a bit of banter, like, oh, where was your career kind of thing, right? A little bit of banter. You fucking lost it. Yeah, you lost it. You was like, that's not funny. Like, don't do that. Like, you lost it in the cab for about 30 seconds. We got out of the cab, and I thought, oh, like, I've triggered Dave there with that. So I've come to you and I've like, Dave, I was like, didn't mean to. He was like, no, no, no. I just like, I thought you was like basically taking the piss out of my record. I was like, no, I wasn't. Just having a bit of banter, blah, 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 blah. And it was forgotten about the fact you don't remember about it. So can yeah. I just set you there? So that is pre my kids. Yes. And yes. pre Lou. You see, completely different. I wasn't happy. Well, uh, I don't know. Well, Oh, with your, as in, as in your yeah. boxing career, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. What I'm saying is, is the, when when you triggered me there. Well, I'd say I'd say kids. nine years ago. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, nine years ago. Well, you, how old's your daughter? She's she's eighteen in September. Well, I've known you for twelve years, so. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Because I feel as though a lot of things that matter to me in the past don't matter to me now. I will openly say now, I was shit. I got a shit record. I don't give a shit. I'm comfortable with my own skin now. Back then I wasn't. It's being a being a dad changed me. My priorities changed, and um, also a lot of good stuff. So I've actually, if I sit and I look at it, I have actually accomplished some decent things in in in, in the time that you know last nine ten years. Um, so I am really really I'm, I'm comfortable with myself now. Whereas back then. Like you know, when you like I say you're trying to, you're worried about what the people think about you, yeah. so that's why that triggered me. Well, now, now I'll open this. I don't give a shit. But I will say, I'd say if I've known you twelve years, and this was like I'd say between nine and ten years ago, like I don't know you as well now uh, then as I do now. So it might have been different, but yeah. I remember it because it's the only time we've ever ever. And I didn't say anything. I was just like, oh fuck, all right, I've upset Dave here, right? But you, yeah, it was a, it was a point because I was you thought I was like kind of taking the piss out of your record, and I, I pulled it up on my phone and all that. And you, you had a moment, like, and I was like, oh, and I remember it because it's the only time. It's not like we've ever had any kind of disagreement after no. that at all. But no, yeah, like I said, that that comes again with as you get older, you get you, you, your your priorities and your things that that you're embarrassed about change. I'll I'll openly 
that to me now, my my life back then, when you're struggling and things like that, it just seems so so far away. Where you, it's almost like you're struggling for acceptance. But then when you get to a point where you don't give a shit whether you're accepted or not, then it changes and what what upset you and what pissed you off change. Um, which is why, like I said, now, when, when somebody wants to bring it, I, I don't like talking. Do you know what it is? I don't like talking about my book because I'm not proud of it. I'm, I don't I don't see it as part of, but what I see it as is part of the experience that I used to put forward into my coaching career um, because I know what's in the minds of those that probably aren't as confident and successful um so yeah but whereas back then yeah it, it's that you're still in that that phase of trying to prove yourself and be accepted do you know what i mean sorry mate i'll accept your apology live on uh dave corwell appreciate your time uh, as i do always and it's been insightful because again we I say this to people every week, I'm like, I'm still learning. It's like people I've known like you 12 years, I've known like Fabio five years, I've known Connor for the last seven years. And it's like, I'm still learning now about, because we don't talk about this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, sometimes I think just to kind of delve away from me asking you about all your fighters and who's going to win out of this fight and that fight, it's it's good, it's good. No, nice one. I appreciate you having me on. It's uh, nice to be asked. No problem. Right, this has been for the Raw Fight Within podcast with me, Kung Cassius, with my very special guest, Dave Caldwell. Thank you very much. Cheers, thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.